0: What's up, church? You guys look great today. You sound even better. I mean, unbelievable worship so far. Got the young adults kicking down here on the front. Love these guys over here. Rest of you, I'm seeing some folks back for the very first time. Hey, if you're back for the first time, just curious, would you raise your hand? Back, yeah, back for the first, yeah, hands all over. Welcome back. Some up there? Hey, you, me, we. We are growing God's church out of a global pandemic, and it is awesome to be a part of. Amen. So glad you are here. Yeah, you can celebrate. Uh, go ahead and keep that going. Welcome all the campuses. I'm talking about Garner campus, Sanford campus, Hillsboro campus, online campus, Kenya campus, and most definitely the Durham campus. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. I've just been walking around. Uh, Since earlier this morning, just loving on our volunteers, which you know we call them world changers here. And uh, I've just, I have this sense on my heart that I want to get this off. Um, Thank you. I say it all the time, but you need to know it is true. We could not do what we do at all of our campuses without world changes On all of our stages, they're volunteers. You might not know that, except for the worship pastors. All the people in the children's ministry, volunteers, except for the children's pastors, student pastors, first contact. All of them are volunteers, and I'm just wondering today if we can just let them know how grateful we are that they serve this church. Could not do it without you. Hey, uh, the campus pastors already mentioned it at the campuses, and, and Abby mentioned it here, so I'm not gonna camp out on it long, but I just need to say this. Hey, today is the last day to get connected in our rooted discipleship journey for the spring. 10 weeks will change your life. I've done it, the staff have done it. We, about two years ago, we decided this was the way in which we were gonna disciple people. This is the front door of discipleship at this church. And instead of me trying to convince you, here's what I'm gonna do. If you're here, staff or volunteer at any of the campuses, and you have gone through rooted, let me see you raise your hand. Wow, a lot of you. Now, check this out. Keep it up. All the campuses, raise your hand if you've been through Rooted. Do you suggest and encourage those around us that don't have their hands raised? Do you encourage them to take Rooted? Will it be worth their time? Let me hear you. There it is. There it is. You you don't want to miss it. I promise you, you will love it. You can do it online online. And you can also do in-person groups, whatever you want. We have Zoom groups, and we have in-person groups. Register, they're gonna throw that up. They might have already thrown it up, there it is. Throw that up, and you might not be aware of this, but you you know you can take out your phone, even from the back, or, what's up, balcony people up there? You can take out your phone wherever you are, take out your camera, put it on that QR code, and you are locked and loaded, ready to register for Rooted. Today is the last day. Well, you are in for a treat today. Uh, My good friend, one of our executive pastors here at New Hope Church, Reese Whitehead is going to bring the message today and uh, many months ago, uh, Reese shared a message to our staff that really was the seeds of the message that he is delivering today and it was so good. We thought, man, you need to bring that to the entire church. And then I just had the awesome privilege of hearing him teach the first celebration today. And I'm telling you, you are in for a treat. Not only is he a great communicator, a great dad, a great husband, a great friend, uh, but he's also enjoyable to listen to because we get to lean in and listen to that great Australian accent. And I don't know about you, but I love it. Um, Here uh, here recently, by the way, uh, he just got granted full citizenship in the United States of America. Woo! And this is not a political statement, and please save your emails, because I don't want them, but he did it the right way. He went... There's a right way. There's a right way to do it. He and his lovely wife and their family, they did it the right way. And as I've said to them, America is better because the Whiteheads are up in here. Can I get an amen? Would you give it up for my friend, our executive pastor, Reese Whitehead? Thanks, brother. I don't
1: know about all of that. That was very kind. Good morning, church. Hey, that hymn that we just sang was penned in 1757. And every time you sing it, you come to that line that causes some self-reflection, not self-evaluation. That line that calls out, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't know about you, but there are times when I know I am prone to wander, to to drift away my focus from my master who gave himself for me and loves me deeply. We can find ourselves drifting, prone to wander. It's it's like uh, when I was 15 years old and I had this after-school job at a grocery store. And I would ride my bike uh, from school straight to work. And then I would finish about nine o'clock at night and I would ride home in the dark. So my dad helped me fit uh, a dyno lamp, uh, which is uh, a wheel generated light. So the faster you pedal, the, the brighter light. So as my dad's fixing the light, he says to me, hey, son, you need to know you have to pedal hard. So that your light will bright, will shine bright, and and, and people will see you. If you just kind of cruise and drift, uh, your light will go dim. So I remember this uh, one particular night, uh, I'd worked about a five, six hour shift at the grocery store. I had brought in hundreds of shopping trolleys, carts, if you will, and filled up uh, people's car boots trunks, if you will, uh, with hundreds of grocery bags and I was just exhausted, I was done. And so I remember riding home and I'm uh, on this really familiar street, it's long and flat and straight and I just stop pedaling and start to kind of coast, to just to cruise and just drift along. And I'm approaching an intersection and I see a car that is at the stop sign And as I'm approaching, I wonder, can they see my light? Well, sure enough, as I got in front, uh, the driver accelerated and crashed straight into me. Now, I was 15 years old. Let me tell you, for a teenager, there are two powerful ingredients, adrenaline and embarrassment. So I bounced up real quick. And to my horror, the driver was the mum of my high school crush. So I jumped back on my bike. I mean, if it was in a police report, it would be a hit and rode. I got hit and I rode, right? I couldn't imagine her telling her daughter, you know that young boy at school, I hit him last night. You know, I just couldn't, like, how could you face your crush if she knew that? Well, as I rode home, the adrenaline started to dissipate and I started to feel, you know, the the, the side of... Uh, my body that got the the impact from the car and I was eager to tell my parents about this incident and I burst through the back door and I call out, Mom, Dad, I got hit by a car and my parents came running. Uh, Now, my dad responded first, my dad's name's Gary and he said, son, uh, were were you pedaling hard and so your light was bright or were you kind of drifting and they didn't see you? And my mum says, oh, Gary, just know the boy got hit by a car, for goodness sake. Well, I was drifting. And I knew that my light wasn't shining brightly. And I wonder today if we could just spend some time thinking about our outreach light. Maybe because of the pandemic, we found ourselves kind of just coasting a little bit, drifting, as it were. And maybe people can no longer see our light. James, the brother of Jesus, writes about us being prone to wander and affecting the light and people being able to see our light He writes this in James 5, 19. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now pick up on the word you. James doesn't say that maybe you know someone who's wandered Perhaps there's someone you heard about who's wandered. He is pastoring us to examine our own hearts. You. Very specific. He's highlighting that our hearts are prone to wander. In this past year in the pandemic, we've seen two noticeable spiritual responses within the church. One through the difficulty of COVID and through uh, challenging circumstances Some people have moved toward God Those difficult situations They've pressed in And they've turned toward God The other response Is to drift from God They're disconnected They're untethered They've drifted May be surprised at how far they have gone And how dim their light is Now some people have not felt safe gathering and that is legitimate. And maybe at the beginning they were diligently uh, tuning in in their living rooms and being engaged, staying connected, being daily in God's word. But somewhere along the line, in this past year, they've faded out. They got disconnected and untethered. Now, there are people who have been in church community their entire lives that in this last year have found themselves disconnected. You probably know some people like that. It's noteworthy here to see James shepherding us in the subtlety of being untethered and drifting away. The latest church studies reveal that a third of people who were fully engaged pre-COVID are now completely disconnected they've let go of the faith and the rhythms of being daily in God's word it's just ended just kind of faded to black more people than ever have stopped accessing the scriptures and we all know on an ongoing basis what the role of scripture plays in our lives, it heals it corrects it guides, it exposes, it moulds and shapes us. Both daily in our chair time, weekly in our life groups, and weekly in our weekend celebrations. So I want to give you three thoughts on drifting or wandering. Now, My, pa- my brother is a pastor, and we were talking about this passage last week, And he said this. He said, notice we always drift individually. First thing is we drift individually. James says in 519, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should drift, wander from the truth. If you can, underline the word one. If one of you. Because the Christian experience is communal. As James reminds us, but wandering is individual. People drift in their own They drift in their own hearts. It's individual. Second, we drift gradually. It's barely noticeable when you drift. It's so gradual. Have you ever been on uh, Jordan Lake and and maybe the boat is anchored and you get yourself in a float and just kind of close your eyes and relax and, and you're just chilling? And after a while you open your eyes and you lift your head up and to your shock and amazement you're actually hundreds of feet from the boat and you kind of feel all alone in that moment and it's so shocking that you wonder is this the way you're going to go out? Like is this it? Right? But it's because you're untethered and often you drift further and faster than you expect. So let's just look at 10 quick, early indicators that you may be drifting and that your outreach light is dimming. Number one, passionless worship. There's a general lack of passion in your worship. You're kind of going through the motions, but you know your heart is truly not in it. Number two, critical spirit constantly finding faults in others. And this isn't really true of you. Number three, prayerlessness. No real desire for private prayer. Number four, a lack of interest in Scripture. To be honest, you can't remember the last time you cracked open the Bible to hear from the Word of God. Five, ongoing excuses for not being involved in church ministry. And we've had a legitimate reason in this last year. However, some people are completely disconnected from serving. Completely disconnected from genuine connection and involvement in the body of Christ and the family of God. Six, out of Christian community, your relational world is void of faith friendships. Seven, absence of joy or peace. Eight, experiencing outbursts of anger. Nine, a lack of compassion. I'm talking about empathy for others, being excessively self-occupied. And number 10, an apathy towards sin. Early, subtle signs, indicators that you may be drifting in your heart and your outreach light has dimmed. You see, we drift individually, we drift gradually, and thirdly, I would say we drift willfully. Individually, gradually, and willfully. The prominent area that we drift willfully is in your frequency, you allow your frequency to decrease. Your engagement in God's word, his church, your participation in Christian community, being involved in the family of God, you lower your frequency and then you lower your access to God's heartbeat for the lost. You lower your access to God's heartbeat for the lost. When is the last time you had a spiritual conversation with someone who is far from God? Or simply put, can people see your light? Can people see your light? In the book, Wrecked and Redeemed, Pastor Benji writes this on page 88. Wrecked and redeemed is a clarion call for the church to get back to the core of Christianity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Again, make no mistake about it found people, find people. This is the biblical model for the way in which we introduce more and more people to Jesus. In the same way that I came close to burning down the backwoods of Sumter, South Carolina with that magnifying glass, I believe the church should be focused on setting ablaze hearts for Jesus. This is the role of the church. This is our primary mission. Like a magnifying glass, we are called to harness all of our energies and efforts into one unified focus so that more and more people can know Jesus. It was John Wesley who said, catch yourself on fire for God and people will come from miles just to watch you burn. It is high time, Pastor Benji writes. The church starts to burn again with the same passion that ignited men and women like John, Paul, Peter, Mary, Priscilla, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, Harriet Tubman, Billy Graham, and many others. In 1959 in Brisbane, Australia, Billy Graham was continuing his world tour and his outreach crusades. And this particular night in May 1959, 150,000 people gathered in the Brisbane showgrounds to hear Billy Graham proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. On that same evening, 1,200 miles away, in a small country town hall, A group of people gathered to listen in via radio transmitter. Now I want to show you a small excerpt from Billy Graham's message that night on May 31st 1959. Check this out. Right now where you are you can receive Christ. You may be sitting in your living room at home. You may be right here in this vast amphitheater. If you can receive Christ tonight, right now, and your life can be changed, don't ask me how it's done. It's a supernatural act. It's done by the Holy Spirit. The moment you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms and changes your life, and that is called in the Bible regeneration. The renewal of life, you receive new life. That can happen to you right now. A few years ago, I got to tour through the Billy Graham Museum. I was with a group of people and uh, we came around a corner and we discovered there's an exhibit uh, dedicated to the 1959 Brisbane Crusades. And I was taking it in and so I said to the group of people, hey, go on ahead, I'll I'll catch up with you. But I just kind of wanted to look at all of the exhibit and just take some time. As I was looking, I I, I looked down and I saw there was a, a radio microphone from that very night. And I was just incredibly moved just to stand there in this moment. You see, on that night, in that town hall, my grandparents were listening to Billy Graham via radio transmitter, and hearing the gospel message for the very first time. This was the very first time that my grandparents had heard that they could move from the self-sin payment plan onto the Jesus payment plan. It was the first time that they heard of a holy God that so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that all who believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. They understood for the first time, that they could find freedom from their sin, from the burden of sin, that they could be forgiven of the wrongs in their past, their behaviors, attitudes, and actions. And as they listened to the gospel be preached, their lives were being changed in a moment. You see, in May 31st, 1959, my grandparents got down on their knees They repented of their sins and they invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And then, yeah. In that moment, they discovered a, a purpose and a plan for their life that they could have the fullness of life here and a Christ filled eternity there. Their lives were forever changed. They had a son, my dad, and raised him to know Jesus and my parents in turn raised me to know him. You know, my Christian heritage in part is owed to an evangelist named Billy Graham who refused to allow his life to cruise or drift but that his outreach light would shine brightly for the God who loves him and gave his life for him. I stand in front of you today because a man didn't allow his outreach light to dim. We're in this series called This Is For Everyone. I believe to the core of my bones, the good news of the gospel is for everyone. Regardless of your bank account, the color of your skin, or the country you were born, citizenship into the kingdom of God is for everyone. So it's appropriate that we would spend some time in self reflection. If I asked you, how bright is your outreach light today? Let, let, let's say we were to put a number on it and, and one out of 10 would represent, you can't remember the last faith-centered conversation you had with an unchurched person. And, and, and 10 be that uh, this past week you led someone to Christ. Honestly, before God, where would you rate the brightness of your outreach light today? Jesus said to us, "In Matthew 5:14, "You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop, you cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. A lamp is placed on a stand. So the good news of the gospel is declared, this is for everyone. Jesus' words to you and I, the church. Jesus' call for us to live on mission. So we wanna take a few moments now and give you an opportunity to lean into increasing the brightness of your outreach light. When you walked in, you received a pen and this little card. On the front of it, it says, this is for everyone. And on the back of it, it says this statement. Who are three people you are praying will come to know Jesus? Three areas where you can write three names. Now, maybe you're here today or you're checking us out online and you wouldn't identify yourself yet as a Christian, then I wanna encourage you to still go ahead and write one name on this card. Write yours. Because the good news is, God picks up no matter who's calling. So I wanna give you a few moments. Grab a pen and say a prayer right now And go ahead and write the names that God would drop into your heart that you could be praying would come to know Jesus. So go ahead, write some names on this card right now. So a few years ago, I had a card just like this one. And I wrote uh, my gym instructor's name, Chase, on this card. And uh, I put it in my gym bag. And so every time I'd get into the locker room, uh, I would see the card and say a prayer before I went up to, to work out with Chase. Well, a couple of weeks in, uh, was coming towards Christmas and so I had a Christmas invite uh, card in my, in my gym bag and uh, so I pulled that out, I prayed a prayer and, and I went up to Chase after uh, the workout and I said, uh, hey Chase, I wanted to invite you to come uh, to our Christmas services. And I put my hand out like this and, and Chase didn't respond at all. Like, I mean, he didn't say a single word. Now, I know as I tell this story, you're like, okay, he's probably exaggerating. Like, he probably said something. But in order to understand that Chase literally said nothing, I asked him if I could show you a picture of Chase. And so, have a look. This is my demonstrator, Chase. That's an intimidating individual to invite to church and have them not say a single word. So what I do, I literally did this. Okay. (laughs) well I left this prayer card with Chase's name in my bag every time I worked out I grabbed it and and said a prayer over time this this card got um, you know worn down and tattered and so forth but I could always discern his name on it and our friendship grew and times would come and chase would ask me spiritual questions just curious and and ask me advice and I really enjoyed getting to know him well it came a time we were coming up to easter a couple of years had gone by now and I continued to pray for him with a prayer card just like this one and so as I got changed, and I was in the locker room, I saw the card, and I saw his name on it, and I prayed a prayer, and I had grabbed uh, an invite card for our Easter services. And so I, I, I grabbed it ready for the end of our workout, and I went up to him and I said, "Hey, Chase, I was wondering uh, if you would like to come to our Easter?" And he cut me off and said, "For sure, I will be there." And I was stunned. <laughs> Uh, and that, that's, that's awesome. Well, that Easter, uh, we spent the time around the message uh, with the word mercy. Pastor Mike Bro uh, taught us about this again last week, that mercy is not getting what we deserve. So as everyone came in that Easter, they had a card and on the front of it, it said mercy. And on the back of it, it said I blank, place for you to write your name. Have never received the mercy of God. And today, this Easter weekend, I receive his mercy in Jesus. And so came the time in the service when I was doing the appeal, and it was like, you know exactly where Daniel is sitting right now. That, that was Chase, and it was like the the whole worship center was empty. It was just Chase and God, and and I'm talking about the mercy of God is available for everyone. And kind of at the same time, I'm I'm praying, God, would you right now by the power of your Holy Spirit come and invade Chase's heart, his mind, and his thoughts. Would you bring your grace and your mercy into his life that he could know that he could be forgiven and come into a right relationship with God and be freed from the burden of his sin? We ended the service and I wished bunches of people happy Easter and I remember getting to my car exhausted, the, the parking lot was empty and, and I kind of sat in my car and I, I grabbed my phone and I, I just had a few moments and, and so I went on social media and I saw a post from Chase and this is the post that he put on social media with the caption, today I received the mercy of God for the first time. Friends, there is power in these cards today. There's power in this exercise of taking some time of personal reflection and saying, God, who would you have me impact? Who would you have me come alongside in a very deliberate way to build a relationship, to invest in them so I can invite them? into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's worth us taking a few moments of self-reflection about our own outreach brightness. Can people see your light? Many of you have written three names on this card. Can those three people see your light? Or maybe, because of the pandemic or some other distraction, you've found yourself not pedaling as hard anymore. And, and, and you're just kind of cruising and, and drifting, and your light has grown dim. So I want to invite you to go ahead and take these cards in your hand, and if you would stand to your feet. At all of our campuses, I want to invite you to stand to your feet holding your card. If you're at home and you're able to, go ahead and stand to your feet with this card. In fact, for a moment, go ahead and raise the card above your, above your head and, and look around this room. These cards represent people's lives, their stories. These are names of people in your neighbourhood, in your family, in your workplace, in your schools. These are people who God loves dearly. He loves them so deeply that he didn't hold back his most treasured, but he sent Jesus to die a sacrificial death so they could know the mercy of God. So I wanna lead us in a prayer right now. And I wanna lead us in a prayer around the names that you've written on this card. So let's go to God together. So, God, we stand here, received your mercy, being set free by your grace. You loved us deeply. You sent your only son to die a sacrificial death on a cruel Roman bloodstained cross so that our sins could be atoned. And we know that it's finished. The burden of our sin we no longer have to carry because Jesus carried it on our behalf. Jesus, we thank you today. We're grateful, God, that you sent Jesus that we could come to know him as our Lord and our leader of our lives. I wonder if you'd open your eyes for a moment and just look down on your card. Look at the names that you've written. Can you believe, just like my gym instructor, Chase, that these people could come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ? So God in heaven, this is our prayer. The names that we have written, you know their stories, you know their struggles, you know them intimately, God. And so we're asking, we believe the good news is for everyone. So we're asking God, would you give us divine appointments that we could invest relationally? We get the opportunity to invite them into a saving relationship with Jesus. So Father, we hold these cards, we join with heaven and we pray that these lives, these names written on this card, they would soon come to surrender to Jesus Christ and be made whole. This is our prayer. God, would you help us to put this card like in a gym bag where we'd see it regularly or on the, on the dash of our car or, or on, the, on our desk at work or on our nightstand. Wherever it might be, we'd regularly see this card and these names and we would pray for them. Each time asking you for a divine appointment to engage with them Because the good news of the gospel is for everyone. And we wanna see them in the kingdom of God. So we pray this today, Jesus, in the power of your wonderful saving name. We pray this today for your glory. And everyone said, Amen Amen and Amen. Grace and peace, church.